How's everybody doing? Hey, welcome to Metro. Hey, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to just pause for a minute and pray. Uh, Let's ask God to help us, okay? Uh, Father in heaven, we are here today to hear from you, not from me. Um, So God, I pray that your word would shine through, that you would speak to your people today. Uh, We open our hearts to you, we open our ears to you, Father, and we ask you just to speak. And Lord, if there are people here that are new and uh, church is new to them, they're not really sure what this is all about, God, I just pray that in these moments that you would make your presence known to them. Uh, Draw them close to you, Lord. Help them to hear your truth and be changed by it. We give these moments to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're in week number six of our series on Ecclesiastes. Now, if you've been tracking with us through the series, you know that we're only in the middle of chapter four. There's 12 chapters in this book, and we're in the middle of chapter four, which means Either we're going to speed up or we're going to be in this book a really long time. I mean, there's a bunch of us that we've always thought Jeremy was slow. Isn't that true? But now we know for sure, right? It's true. He is. Just kidding, right? Jeremy's actually one of the smartest people I know, but uh, he has been traveling pretty slowly through this book, so I'm here today to to change all of that. Uh, I'm here today to make some progress, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, We only have two weeks left in the series, so my objective today... I'm going to preach the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one week. We're going to cover the whole book. And then next week, Jeremy's going to come up and wrap up the series with some concluding thoughts. But uh, So in order to do that, see, Jeremy's been down in the trees a little bit. I'm going to back up and I'm going to show us the forest. And there's a different view. It's true. When you're down in the trees, there's one view. And you can learn a lot of things down there. A lot of great, important, valuable things are learned down in the trees. But when you back up and you see the whole thing, there's a whole lot more you can learn. There are some different things you can learn. You get a big picture of things. And so, but before I do that, before I back up out of the trees and get up into the forest for a minute, I just want to do a quick review of where we've been. Let's be down in the trees for a minute. Let's review where we've been in this book. So if you remember back in week one, Jeremy introduced the book with this verse from, from Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two. It says this, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Really encouraging, uplifting, positive thought, right, for the day. (laughs) Everything is meaningless. Uh, The point was in that message that under the sun, everything's meaningless. So if you're ever going to find meaning in life, you've got to look somewhere above the sun. You're not going to find it under the sun. And that's the way this book is. That's the way it kind of introduces itself. Week number two, the message is called Can't Get No Satisfaction. Remember that? Jeremy did everything but sing to us, right? So we're, we're kind of glad that he didn't start trying to be Mick Jagger for a moment. Dance moves or singing, either way, right? So we, we're glad about that. But the point was in week number two that, that everything in life, life is fleeting, life is disappointing, and life is not satisfying. It was another very uplifting week. But it's true in a lot of ways, isn't it? Sometimes in life, you literally feel like you're chasing the wind. You just can't quite find what you're looking for. Solomon, he shared some of his experiences, right? This guy tried everything. The author of this book had chased after everything in life. He chased education, humor, drugs, alcohol, wealth, possessions, entertainment, romance, sex. And no matter where he looked, he could find moments of happiness in life. But you know what the problem is with the good up times in life, they pass. 
You're driving along life and you get a moment to enjoy and before you know it, it's in the rearview mirror. That's kind of how it is. It's fleeting. It's temporary. It's like chasing the wind. And there's got to be more than this world has to offer. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said one time that if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I think this is true for us. I do think that if we try to find what we're looking for under the sun, we're going to find it's fleeting, it's temporary, it slips through our fingers, it really is like chasing shadows and chasing wind. And then Jeremy in week number three turned a little bit of a corner in the book where he taught us that timing is everything. He based it on uh, chapter three, verse one of the book, which says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And the point of this week was, as it sort of turned a corner from all the meaninglessness around you and made a pretty bold statement that said, even though it looks meaningless, even though life looks random, there's more than meets the eye. It's not as random as meaning, and meaningless as you think. There actually is a God who's behind it all, and he's up to something. What looks random and meaningless to you is not random and meaningless to him. He's got a purpose, a plan that he's working out for the world. In week number four, you know, we kind of took that thought that God's got a plan for it all, but when you live in the real world, that's kind of confusing, right? I mean, there are some things that happen in life that make it hard to believe there's any meaning or purpose in any of it. I mean, there are some things, I would guess, if I could have conversations with each of you, There are some things that have happened in your life. There are some things that have happened in my life. I could tell you some pretty dark stories about things that have gone on in my past and in my life. Things that have happened to me. Things that have been done by me. It's really hard sometimes to get a a feel for the fact that there's a a meaning, a purpose in any of this. And and in Jeremy that week, he, he really talked about the injustices of the world, you know. And how when you see all the injustice around you, sometimes it is hard to believe there's a purpose in it all. And we were kind of led that week a little bit into how we should react to all this. And then last week, we talked about the epidemic of loneliness in the world, if you were here for last week. That we have a world filled with billions of people, and yet many of us feel absolutely alone in this world. And in reaction to all this loneliness, Solomon says this, he says, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. And so, which is it, right? And we've been down in the trees of this book, and out of one side of his mouth, he says everything's meaningless and miserable. Out of the other side of his mouth, he says there's a time and a season for everything, and God makes everything beautiful in its time. So so which is it? it? Is it meaningful and beautiful, or is it meaningless and miserable? It's hard to figure it out when you're down here in the trees. I mean, life has both. Life has up times. Life has down times. You are going to have both in life. You've had both. In this room right now, there are people that are in the middle of both. And it's confusing. And so what we've got to do is we've got to get back out of the details for a minute and see the big picture. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack this. So this is the old school series. And so it is, is it okay if I take you to school just for a minute? It's going to feel a little bit like school. I'm going to show you what I think is the structure of the book of Ecclesiastes. Is that okay? We ready to go to school just for a few minutes? Okay. So 
I, I see in the book of Ecclesiastes, I think the key to understanding this book is seeing its structure. There is a structure to this book, even though it seems like there's not. It's just like life. It seems pretty random and meaningless, but then all of a sudden, there's, there's this structure thrown in. There's something going on. And you can see this when you see the structure of the book. Now, the reason I find four distinct sections in the book of Ecclesiastes is because every section ends with the same key thought. What I think is the theme of the book. We're going to unpack this a little bit today, but I think the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes bookends each of the four sections of the book. And so I want to show these to you. I think section one starts with chapter one, verse one, and goes through the end of chapter two. I think the main point of that whole section is this. Happiness cannot be found in anything on earth, no matter where you look. You can't find it. Now, of course, Solomon realizes you can find moments of happiness, seasons of happiness, but they're fleeting, they're temporary, they pass. And we've all experienced this. So you can't find happiness under the sun. But he concludes with this. Striking and strange, in the middle of a statement that you can't find happiness under the sun, he concludes with this thought. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, don't miss this. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Do you see his point? He says, you're not going to find happiness under the sun, but you can find it if you look above the sun. And when you look to the right place and you find what you're supposed to find, all of a sudden, life under the sun changes. The whole experience of life is different when you stop looking under the sun for what you're searching for. Very interesting. Section 2 starts with chapter 3, verse 1, and goes through the end of chapter 5. The main point of that whole section, I think, is this. God has a beautiful purpose in everything, no matter how it looks, because Solomon realizes it doesn't look like it. He makes this statement. God makes everything beautiful in his time. He's got a beautiful purpose for everything. Now, Solomon's not naive, right? He knows it doesn't look like there could possibly be a good purpose, His point is not that things are good in and of themselves, because most of them aren't. A lot of the things that happen in our lives, in and of themselves, there's nothing good about them. But there is a God who's at work in the middle of it all, taking what seems bad and turning it for good and making everything beautiful in its time. And this is the second section of the book. And he concludes with this, this, the same thought that he ended the first section with. He, He comes back to it. At the end of chapter 5, he says, This is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life. And this is where we all would hope to get, I think, right? Listen to this. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. I mean, yeah, life's got good and bad and everything in between. Sometimes you're in a good time, sometimes you're in a bad time. But these people Solomon's talking about, 
seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Interesting. Right in the middle of this chaotic book, he throws in these these interesting thoughts. Section 3 is from chapter 6 to the middle of chapter 8. The main point, I think, is this, in this section, things are not always as they appear. What looks like good times are not always good. What looks like bad times are not always bad. Be careful being too quick to judge about the season of life that you're in. Have you ever had a time where you thought it was good and it turned out it wasn't so good? You ever had a time that it looked like it was bad, but what it led to was the best thing for your life? Be careful judging things too quickly. Things are not always as they appear. God is up to something in this world. The conclusion in the middle of chapter 8 is this. So I commend the enjoyment of life. Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Interesting. Section 5 of the book, I'm sorry, section 4, the final section of the book, goes from verse 16 of chapter 8 all the way through the end of the book. I think the point is this. So he gets to the end. He's unpacked all of this, right? Life is meaningless under the sun. But there's a purpose in it all. And in the middle of this purpose, things are not always as they appear. And so he gets to this final section, and his main point is, so don't be discouraged. You're going to be tempted to be discouraged. Don't be. Keep moving. Walk in wisdom. Trust God and enjoy life. You are headed somewhere. There is a destination for you. You're moving. It is like a road trip. You're traveling through. Keep moving. Don't get discouraged. Walk in wisdom. Trust God and enjoy life. And he concludes with this. The last two verses of the whole book. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And so you start to see the big picture, don't you? The big idea of the whole book. Here's how I would put it. What I try to do oftentimes when I'm preparing a message is I try to say, okay, what is it that I feel God wants me to say? And if I can't put it into one sentence, it's too complicated. And so here's what I think is the sentence that God wants us to hear today. I think this is the, the, the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. And in many ways, I think it's the theme of life. In one sentence... Using our road trip analogy, here it is. Life is a journey. Trust God and enjoy the ride. Somebody should put that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Right? Life is a journey. Trust God and enjoy the ride. Now, think about this idea that life is a journey for a minute. I mean, just think back over your life. Think about where you have been, the things that have happened to you, the experiences you've had, the people who've come and gone. I mean, think back to some of your worst times, and now they're gone. Think back to some of your best times, but now they're gone. And all of them have led you to where you are today. Life is a journey. I mean, just think back 10 years for a minute. I know, I don't know how old. Some of you are pretty young in the room. Thinking back 10 years, you probably can't, but, but for the rest of us, we can. I sure can. <laughs> 10 years seems like yesterday to me. 
But in other ways, it seems like it was a different lifetime. Because when I think back 10 years in my life, it is crazy what's happened in my life in the past 10 years. 10 years ago, I was 34 years old. I was recently divorced, very depressed, very lonely, very discouraged in life. And I was living with my mom in a tiny little two-bedroom condo. And my daughter lived with me. About the only bright spot in my life back in those days was my daughter. She was 11 years old at the time, and my mom had a two-bedroom condo. So my daughter and I shared a bedroom. We had bunk beds. I slept on the top bunk. She slept on the bottom bunk. And this was my life. Ten years ago, this was my life. Like lonely, depressed, discouraged. I felt so far from God. I, I went to church, but I wasn't really involved in any way. And just had no idea what direction to go in my life. I felt so lost and confused. That was 10 years ago. And, and, and here I am. I mean, it's amazing what God has done in my life. Taking me from the worst moment of my life to where I am today. i got to be honest. Today, I feel like I'm on top of the world in a lot of ways. But I'm not naive. I know this too will pass. It's just how life is. But it's been a journey. Going from where I was 10 years ago to where I am today has been an interesting ride. A whole lot has happened that led me from that confused, depressed, and lonely place to here. It's been a journey. Right around the same time 10 years ago, there was a young woman named Tara who was also going through probably the most difficult year of her life. She had recently been abandoned by her husband and left with their two-year-old little boy, And she was left as a single mom with really no education, not really many skills in life, didn't even have a driver's license, and was just struggling to make ends meet being a single mom, lost, confused, not not having any idea how her life got to this place. She had big dreams for her life. She wanted to have a Christian family and a Christian husband. And it felt like all those dreams had been shattered, and now she was just left carrying around the baggage and thought she had ruined God's plan for her life. Fast forward 10 years, that young woman named Tara was the beautiful woman that stood on this stage today and led us in worship today. It happens to be my wife. I mean, it is, it is bizarre and unbelievable, the journey God has had us on. And I know you have your stories to tell, and I don't know what stage of life you're in today. I don't know what's going on in your life these days I mean, maybe nothing's going right for you right now in your life. Maybe you have some big, serious relationship problems in your life. Maybe someone you love is sick, or maybe someone you love has recently died. Maybe you're struggling financially or emotionally. Maybe your kids are driving you crazy, and you're about to go out of your mind. Right? And so I just want to encourage you tonight. Life is a journey. This is not the end. This downtime of your life is not the end of your story. You are just passing through. This is your Zug Island. This is your Badlands experience. But listen, there is something right on the other side of it. And this is just how life is. These times will not last forever. Even if you're at the top of the world today, it's going to pass too. We are traveling through life. We're headed somewhere. God is up to something in our life. And and the reason I know that whatever is going on in your life simply will not last, I don't care what it is, it will not last. 
The reason I know this is because God's the one driving the bus. It's true. The circumstances of your life are not as random and meaningless as they seem. God is there. He's up to something. He's actively working out a plan for your life. Life is a journey, but it's not just a journey. Life is God's journey. He's the one driving the bus, and he's got a destination in mind. God is driving the bus, and he's taking it somewhere. He's got a direction. He's moving, and you're along for the ride. Now, now this is one of the most important lessons you could ever learn in life, is that you're not driving. I mean, oftentimes we think we're driving. You're just a passenger. Look, this is God's road show. He's moving this thing somewhere. And you're, you're along for the ride. Now, you're, a pat, you're an important passenger, don't get me wrong. Like, your choices, your actions, they affect the ride. Right? You're either a good passenger or a bad passenger. And either way, you affect the ride. The quality of the journey is greatly impacted by you. But the fact is, God's the one driving. Now, the fact that God's the one driving this thing means a few key things. And I just want to unpack these for us for a minute. Like, that what it means that God's the one in charge, he's the one driving. Now, I, I do think there's a passage in the Bible that probably unpacks this better than any other passage. It's not in Ecclesiastes, but in, a, in many ways it easily could be. It strikes the same notes, the same theme. And I want to just show it to you. It's Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Here's what it says. It says, from one man, speaking of God, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. And so I see a few key things from this passage about what it means that that God is the one driving. Number one, God put us on the bus and there's no way off. You're on the bus and you didn't choose to be. God made you. He made me. I didn't ask to be made. I had no choice in the matter. God made me. He put me on this bus and there's no way I can get off. This is just the way it is. God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Now, Some people try to get off the bus, right? Some people kill themselves thinking that it gets them off the bus. It doesn't work. You know, all killing yourself does, in the middle of the pain and meaninglessness of knives, sometimes it feels so hopeless, you want to just jump off the bus, right? Get me off this thing. It just doesn't work. All killing yourself does is it takes you to the end of the journey faster, And that's not necessarily a good thing, depending on what kind of passenger you've been. And we'll talk about that. Because all trying to jump off the bus does is get you face-to-face with the driver. And that's a moment we got to prepare for. You can't jump off the bus. There's no way off. We'll get to that more in a minute. But the second thing I see is this. God determines the stops along the way. He's the one driving after all. Acts 17 said that God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. This means God determines which road you're going to take on the journey. 
He's steering the ship. I mean, think about it for a minute. God decided which family you'd be born into. He decided which parents you'd have. He decided which country and city you'd be born into. God is the one driving this thing. He decides all of this. He determined the time set for each of these things. So, yes, we have control over some things. We make choices. Those are real choices. Those choices have consequences, right? We have control over our choices and actions. We're accountable for them. But the outcome of those choices and actions and the roads they lead us down are in the hands of God. He's the one that determines where the choices and actions you make lead you. He determines the stops along the way. Proverbs 16.9 puts it like this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. You have control over some things. You do not have control over where the some things you have control of lead you. God steers. God directs this world. You will end up on the roads that he determines. It's very interesting to come to grips with this. A third thing I see is that God determines how long each stop lasts. He determines which stops to take and he determines how long they last. Again, in Acts 17, it says God determined the times set for us. Ecclesiastes 3 put it like this. If you remember, it says there's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. If you remember back to Jeremy's message on this, the the passage that, that follows this weaves back and forth between the best times in life and the worst times in life and makes the point that God has a time and a season for both. There's a time and a season in your life for all the goodness and blessing to come. And... There is a time and a season in your life for all the goodness and blessing to seem like it fades away. There's a time and a season. And so whether you're in a good time or a bad time, what you need to understand is neither are the destination. Both will end. There's a time and a season for these things. God determines which stops we will take. He determines how long those stops will last. Neither are the destination. Both will end. And so if if you're one of those people that that treats the good times in life like they're the point, you're going to end up very disappointed. Some of us have already been there, right? I mean, we had these great moments in life. And we try to, the glory days, we call them, right? But before you know it, they're in the rearview mirror and they're gone. Where did they go? There's a time and a season for these things. If you try to hold on to the good moments of life, you'll be like the person who's reaching out the window trying to grasp at the air as it passes you by. It's like chasing wind. But if that sounds discouraging, just realize it's also true of the bad times. The bad times, too, will end. You don't have to despair. If you're in the middle of a horrible time in your life, don't despair. It will end. It will pass. The bus will move on. There's a time and a season for these things. God is up to something with both the good times and the bad times. He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to lead us somewhere. And this is true when you're healthy. And it's true when you have cancer. 
It's true on your wedding day, and it's true if your marriage ends in a painful divorce. It's true when you're rolling in money and when you don't have two pennies to scrape together. God is driving. He determines the stops and how long each stop lasts, and he's taking you somewhere. The driver has a destination in mind for your life. And so the fourth thing I see is this. God is taking us somewhere. He has a destination in mind. And Acts 17, 27 tells us where he wants to lead us. God did this. All of this we've talked about. Did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. To put it quite simply... What is God up to? He wants you. He wants you back. This whole story, this whole road trip that we're on began with a betrayal. It will end with a marriage. God is in the process of taking the brokenness that came from the betrayal and the journey that we are all on is the process of restoration. The process of salvation. God wants you back. He is after you. He knows that you will never find happiness in this world. He's not willing to let you settle for it. But you're not ready for it to be over yet. And so there's this journey in between. God is in the process of showing you he is everything that you want. You are not going to find what you're looking for, even in the best things of this world. God is the point. God is the destination. He's after you. And he will take you down whatever road he thinks is best for you to find him. Sometimes that means great times come. Sometimes it means terrible times come. He's got a destination in mind. The good time and the bad time are not the point. He is the point. He wants you. He's trying to lead you to him. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to stop setting your heart on the things of this world and to set it on him instead. He wants you to live with him face to face, forever. Now this means if you're an unbeliever in the room, you don't yet have a relationship with God, you've not yet put in your faith in him. God has one objective for your life. It is not to make you healthy, wealthy, happy, and wise. He's got one goal for you. He wants your heart. He wants you to find meaninglessness in all the things around you. To realize that under the sun there is nothing for you. Look above the sun. He is what you're looking for. This is what he's up to in your life. If you are not yet in relationship with him. And if you are in relationship with him. He's got one goal for you. He wants you to make it to the end. He doesn't want you to fall off. He wants to keep you and bring you. The the scripture says, he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion, but he hasn't done it yet. He's doing it right now through all of the roads he takes you down in life. He wants to keep you, to bring you to the end 
so that you stand before him, safe, secure, and stand in his presence. Here's what he wants. Let me, let me read this to you. Well, before I get to that, there is something I want to read to you in a minute that's breathtakingly great. But first, we've got to realize all of us are on this journey, and we're all going to come to one spot one day. And here it is. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. The same destiny overtakes all. They join the dead. This life will end one day for all of us. And when we die, we're going to stand before God in judgment. Ecclesiastes 12:14 says, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And so the purpose of the entire journey is to get us ready for that moment. The moment we stand before God. He wants us to seek him, reach out for him, and find him. And here's what he ultimately wants to give you. Here's the promise. Here's where it all heads. Listen to this from Revelation 21. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. There is coming a day when all of the good things of this world will seem like garbage and where all the bad things of this world will be a distant memory. The scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it ever even entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so God wants to bring you to the place where you love him and realize that he's the point of it all. Life is a journey. God is driving And the destination is clear and potentially amazing. But it does not end well for everyone. It depends on what kind of passenger you've been. You ever been on a road trip with a bad passenger? Complain about everything. Criticize the driver for every move he makes. Going too slow, speed up, too fast, change lanes. Stop this thing, got to go to the bathroom. Like, just complain, complain, and criticize and criticize. Just a bad passenger makes a trip miserable. Listen, we're all passengers on God's bus. What kind of passenger are you? God wants people who come to the place in their life. We're, We're all at different stages. I realize that today. God's goal for you, we all start off as bad passengers, all of us, and God through a process of time wants to bring you to the place where you stop being a bad passenger and become a good one, one that trusts him. A good passenger is one that trusts the driver and enjoys the ride. And this is what we're up to in all of this. God wants to bring us here, so this is what our response should be. Trust God and enjoy the ride. If you don't, there will come a day. If you're a bad passenger, you can't get off the bus right now. It's going to the destination. The destination is when you stand face to face in the presence of God. In that moment, you're at the destination and you need a ticket to get in. 
The bus is driving somewhere. When you get to the destination, you need a ticket to get in. There's only one way to get a ticket. Trust the driver. Tickets are free. If you put your trust in the driver of the bus, the ticket to the destination is free. You don't have to pay a penny. But if you refuse to put your trust in the driver, and you are one of those bad passengers, you're going to be kicked off the bus and denied entrance one day. The scripture actually says that these bad passengers in life who refuse to trust the driver, who want to go their own way, someday God's going to look at them and say, have it your way. You don't like being with me? Depart from me. Here's the problem with all that. If you refuse to trust the driver, life will be miserable. You will find there's nothing here. Happiness is fleeting. Bad times will come. Meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. And then you die. And then it gets worse. Listen, there's only one solution to all of this. You're on the bus. You can't get off. You're going to the destination. There's nothing you can do about it. But it's the best news you've ever heard, that the driver actually loves you and wants to restore you and redeem you and bring you to the place where you'll find everything you're looking for with him. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forever. And the ticket's free. Purchased and paid for by the blood of his own son who came into this crazy world that we live in, jumped on the bus with us and gave his life to save us. To save us from meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. Trust God and enjoy the ride. Learning to love, trust, and know God is the point of life. And when you begin to realize God's driving the bus, and you begin to trust he's leading you somewhere amazing, something strange happens in your life. You actually find the ability to enjoy the ride. Good times, bad times, God's in the middle of both, and you find a way to enjoy it. Because you realize it's not the end. It's not the destination. It's just Zug Island. I'm passing through. This is kind of interesting here. The Badlands. Never seen anything like this before. I'm glad it'll be over soon, but I can enjoy the ride. And you, you start to learn this in life. You come to grips with this. You begin to realize the good times are not always good for you. The bad times are not always bad for you. Some of the greatest things in life happen on Zug Island. You meet some of the most interesting people you'll ever meet in the Badlands. Look, that's, that's Tara and my story. We were in the Badlands. We met each other and we're together because of the Badlands. This is the story of our life. You will meet some of the most fascinating people in some of the most unexpected places. If you just learn to trust God and enjoy the ride. We need to learn to trust God. God, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Which means today, if you sit here today, and you're sick today, you're here today and you're, you're going through something in your life, you're battling a sickness or a disease of some kind, this is just simply not the end of your journey. Don't despair. 
If you're feeling all alone, this is not the end of your journey. If you had it all but lost it, this is not the end of your journey. If you married the man or woman of your dreams and they passed on from this world and left you alone with a hole in your heart, this is not the end of your journey. If you were once young and beautiful and now you're old and wrinkly, this is not the end of your journey. If you're struggling financially, you have a job you hate, this is not the end of your journey. And if you're in the middle of the best time of your life and everything's rocking for you, this is not the end of your journey. God and God alone is the end of your journey. He is the point in all of it. So listen, Learn how, whether you're in an uptime or a downtime, just learn how to trust God and enjoy the ride. There are going to be interesting things to see no matter what stage of life you're in. You will learn things about the driver you can't learn any other way. He wants you, and he wants to keep you, and he will take you down whichever road in life he thinks will best accomplish that. So you had might as well. Look, you're not driving. You don't decide which stops you're going to take. You don't decide when the diagnosis is going to be cancer. You don't decide when the diagnosis is going to be a clean bill of health. You don't decide when your wife is going to die. You don't decide when you're going to meet the woman of your dreams. Listen, God is the one driving He determines the stops along the way. He determines how long the stops last. And he's up to something. There's a destination for you. And it leads straight to him. Trust him. Enjoy the ride. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, This was not the easiest message to preach or to hear, I'm sure. This is a confusing, complicated world we live in. There are very hard things we have to face. In the middle of it all, there are some beautiful and great and enjoyable and pleasurable things that we face. We have people we love and we have people that are broken. God, I just pray for us that you would open our eyes to see the big picture. Lord, we're so distracted down here in the trees and the weeds of it all, the details of life. God, help us just to back up for a minute and see the big picture, to see this mosaic that you are painting, this story that we find ourselves in, God. This story of of hope and salvation and redemption and all the promises that you've made to us, God, that we long for and we wait for and we hope for and we find a way to taste right here in the nitty-gritty every day of life. So God, if there are people in this room who don't know you, draw them to you. Open their hearts to you. Help them to see, Lord, the picture that you are painting in their life. That you are trying to rescue them and save them, not make life difficult for them. Some in this room today are ready to take a step, Lord.
Lord. They're ready to, to, to open their heart to you and to invite you in, to put their trust in you, to, to understand that you're the one driving and to actually be glad that you're the one driving, to trust you, put their hope in you. Today is the day of salvation for some in this room. God, I pray that you confirm it in their hearts right now. There are some of us in this room, we're struggling, struggling to keep going, struggling, Lord, just to make it. Lord, keep us. Keep us from falling. Hold us tight, Lord. Let nothing snatch us from your hands. Take us down whatever road you have to, Lord, that will bring us back and closer and stronger and more in tune with you. Lord, help us to live by faith, to trust you and enjoy the ride. Thank you for everything, God. Thank you for your promises and the hope that you give us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.